morning everyone. Merry Christmas. Isn't this an awesome day? Turn to your neighbor and say Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Tell them you look lovely this morning. Welcome to you all. Welcome to the service. Welcome to everyone who's watching online. Merry Christmas to you too and thank you for tuning in and joining us. So shall we all stand? We're going to start today off with some worship. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are the gift this Christmas. Father, that you are the reason we can sing with joy, that we can shout your name boldly and declare that you are our King. Father, thank you that you are the King who came in a manger, but you rose from a grave and you seated us in heavenly places with you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we are included with you we are found in you and you are found in us, Lord Jesus. That we proclaim your goodness to the nations, Lord. For you are worthy to be praised and you are worthy to be worshipped, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we get to worship you now in spirit and in truth. That we get to declare that you are faithful and you are true. That you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we worship you with all that is within us. We sing songs of praise and worship to you, Lord. For you alone are worthy. We pray this in your holy name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. So please sing with us, clap with us, dance with us, and enjoy worship with us.
Jesus, we love you this morning. We adore you. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your, your mercy, and your love, Lord. We're so grateful that you came to demonstrate the Father's heart of love and goodness to each one of us, Lord. And Lord, what a joy it is this morning to worship, to adore, and to join with the angels in praise and worship and honor to you, Lord. You really are wonderful. We bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, praise and worship team. Wasn't that awesome? Yes. Hey. 
Welcome, everybody. Great to have you with us at our Christmas, third Christmas service for 2023. Welcome. If you're a guest with us, we're so grateful that you came to join us in worshiping our King. So, Merry Christmas. So I've got a joke for you. Uh, a lady brought her husband a pug as a Christmas present. And she said, despite the squashed nose, bulging eyes, and rolls of fat, the dog seems to like him. Welcome. Well, you might be here this morning and you're asking the question, why do we as Christians celebrate on the 25th of December? Well, history has told us that the early Christians decided to celebrate the birth of Christ that was already recognized as a holiday by the pagans and uh, those who were worshiping the sun god and um, the Romans called December 25th the birthday of the unconquered sun because it was very close to December 21st, which was the winter solstice. And so they used, the pagans used to worship on winter solstice. And so the Christians, it uh, became the birthday of the unconquered son, Jesus. And they decided to worship on that day because it helped them not get persecuted as Christians. And so they chose a holiday with, they could um, celebrate the birth of Jesus on a recognized holiday and uh, go and celebrate Jesus without being interrupted or persecuted at the time. And so Jesus was most likely born in March or April because the Bible says that while the shepherds were out looking at the flock by night, now you don't do that in the middle of winter. You only do that when the weather is warm. And so um, history hasn't given us a specific date on when Jesus was born. And so we as Christians have just have continued with the tradition of celebrating on the 25th. But it doesn't matter which day you worship Jesus on because God looks at the heart and it's about the intentions. It's not about Christmas trees and presents. It's about Jesus, the one who was born for us to pay the penalty we could never pay and that we could enter into a loving relationship with him. And that is why we celebrate Christmas. You know, there are over 50 Old Testament prophecies foretelling that Jesus would be born and they were all fulfilled specifically and to detail. God's prophecies about Jesus demonstrate his goodness and his faithfulness. And as a church, we've been doing a series called Behold, and we've taken it out of Luke chapter two, verse 10, and it says it this way. The angel said unto them, fear not. So the angel spoke to the shepherds, and he said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And we've seen that the word behold here both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, it's mentioned over 1,700 times. The word behold here means to look attentively because it's important what's coming after the word behold. It doesn't mean just to, look, to glance at something and then to look away. It means to look intently and listen attentively to what is being said. And in Luke 2.10 here, it says behold. So he starts off with fear not. So that's the first instruction from the angel there that we need, no longer need to have fear. And then he says, behold, listen attentively, don't miss this, that there is gonna be a savior who's gonna be born, who's gonna bring you good tidings, which will produce great joy, and it'll be for all people. So the message of the gospel and the message of Christmas is a message of glad tidings, good news, not bad news, 
which will produce great joy and it'll be very inclusive because it'll be for all people. And that is why we are celebrating Christmas now. And yesterday we were looking at Moses who was like, Lord, I wanna know you for who you are, God. And I wanna see your glory. And God responded and he said to Moses, if you wanna see my glory, you're gonna see my goodness. And then God himself described himself to Moses. And he said, I am Jehovah. I'm the self-existent God. I need nobody and these are my attributes. I am merciful. I am gracious. I am long-suffering. I am slow to anger. I forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin. And you see, that the reason why Jesus was born so that he could then take a physical demonstration of this merciful kind, forgiving, long-suffering God, and demonstrate what that looks like in a human body. And that is why a Savior was born. And in 2 Corinthians chapter three, it says that as we behold this, this good view and opinion of God, as we look attentively into who God really is, we are transformed from the inside out. See, religion wants to change you from the outside in. But a relationship with God, when I begin to discover his love for me, when I begin to discover how merciful and kind and gracious he is to me, I am transformed from the inside out. And that is very different to legalism and religion. Because God has always demonstrated to us, God has always declared to us that he is good and that he is good all the time. In Psalm 34, eight, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now to taste and see something is an experience. It's like when you taste something, you taste whether it's either good or fraught. And God himself says, I want you to taste and see that I'm good. He wants you to experience his goodness. In Psalm 23, 6, it says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. In Psalm 107, 1, it says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. In Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. See, some of you don't even realize that every good thing that has ever happened to you is because of God and that he's been good to you. And it says here that God is slow to anger. Now most people, or many people that I meet who don't know Jesus personally, their view of God is that God is angry. The Bible says he is slow to anger. Now, the Bible says that Jesus is coming quickly, and he said that 2,000 years ago. So if he's quickly, he's 2,000 years, how slow is slow? You can't live long enough to make God angry. Amen. Amen. That's the story of Christmas. And the angels, because of the birth of the Savior, couldn't contain themselves. And the Bible says, and they broke out. The angels broke out in front of the shepherds and began singing. And they began to declare, glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill toward men. Now, when I was growing up as a lighty, my parents in those days, they used to send and receive Christmas cards. And then they used to hang it on a string. And then you could tell how many friends you had. But on those Christmas cards, it would say peace amongst men. But that's not in the Bible. The Bible says peace and goodwill toward men. 
Because that is the message of Christmas, that for the first time in thousands of years, God is sending a savior so that there could be peace from God toward men. That now men could experience goodwill from God because there is now peace, because the sin payment was gonna be paid for all eternity. See, and that's the message of Christmas, where we begin to enjoy peace with God where we begin to enjoy a relationship with God, where there is no longer hostility or a dividing wall between God and us, where we're experiencing the peace that comes from God and the peace of God. If you want to eliminate stress in your life, all you've got to do is encounter the peace of God, the peace that comes from Him. I like what it says in Ephesians 2, 13 to 15. It says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus, Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. That's the message of Christmas. That Christ himself has brought peace to you. And then he goes on, he says, he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Isn't it wonderful to know that God, through the gift of his son Jesus, has broken down every hostility that was between you and him? That every law and regulation that was required for obedience and righteousness before God, Jesus came and took it away. He says, all you need now is me. No more obedience, no more law, no more regulations, no more trying to perform for God so that he could be pleased with you. No, Jesus came and fulfilled all of that so that all you need is Jesus. Amen. And Christmas is this time where we begin to celebrate good tidings of great joy for all people. So I wanna leave you this morning with three, there's so much, but I'm just leaving you with three good tidings of great joy. And the first is, God loves you. Very quiet. And this is not, I'm not talking about a human love. Human love is, man, if if you love me, I love you back. If you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. That's a human kind of love. It's transactional. The love of God is described in the Greek as agape. It's it's described as an unconditional love. It's described as a self-sacrificial love that deems the one being loved as worthy. So God himself has deemed you as being valuable and worthy. And he says that he will love you with no strings attached. He loves you with an unconditional love. Means no conditions, no T's and C's. He loves you because that's who he is. The Bible describes God as being love. And so he's not loving to you. He doesn't love you because you're in church today. Like many people think, I must go and do my duty once a year. Go to church so that you can keep things with me and God. (laughs) No, God loves you because that's who he is. Whether you're in church or not, he still loves you with an unconditional love. See, and that's what a relationship with God looks like. A relationship with God is based on him loving me. 
And when I open my heart and receive that, the Bible says I love him back. And let's read that in 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10 in the Message Bible. It says, this is how God showed his love for us. So his love is not just only in word and deed. The Bible says he loves us in demonstration and truth. So God's love is a demonstration where he will show you how much he loves you before you even know it. And so he says here, God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Notice what he's saying here. This love is not that we once upon a time loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice. See, this is the love we're talking about. This is where I begin to experience the love of God because I'm believing that he loves me apart from me loving him. In John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that whosoever believes, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. See, the sacrifice that God made in sending Jesus is proof of his great love for us. You see, God is always through the word, through scripture, through demonstration, through experience, is always reaching out to us. In Luke 19, 10, it says, for the son of man, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's always, he's forever seeking you out for good. He's always trying to get you into relationship with him. And I think of so many stories in the Bible. I think of Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, ostracized and rejected by his fellow men because he was robbing them. How one encounter with Jesus totally transformed his heart. I think of Peter, a rough fisherman. I was gonna say rough and tough and from the bluff, but some of you might be from Durban. <laughs> but he was a rough fisherman. And how an encounter with Jesus transforms his life. I think of the Apostle Paul, who was an educated religious Pharisee, who was a bully and a murderer. And one encounter with Jesus completely transforms his life. See, Jesus is the one who comes to seek and to save those who might have been unreachable. But I wanna let you know this, mor this morning, nobody is unreachable. There is nothing that you have done and there is no person that is too far gone for God's love. His love always seeks that which is lost. He's always seeking out the one. And it might just be you this morning. He says he seeks out and he saves. He's talking about somebody who comes and rescues us. Jesus is the one who rescues us. He loves you, mess and all. He's not waiting for you to get your life right before he loves you. He loves you in your mess. He loves you while you're still a muhu. He accepts us just the way we are. I think of the woman who was caught in adultery in John chapter eight. She was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, I don't know where you come from, but you know, if you commit adultery, normally you're naked. And the Bible says they caught her in the very act and they bring her to Jesus. Can you imagine the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment that that woman might have felt? And I can just, in my mind's eye, I just think Jesus taking off his robe and covering her. And all the religious people, how did they know that she was committing adultery? 
It's always the religious people, they know where people are sinning. And they catch her in the very act, which means they probably were peeping toms. And they bring her to Jesus and they say, according to the law, this woman needs to be killed. What do you say, Jesus? The Bible says Jesus stooped down and he said nothing and he wrote in the ground. And they kept on pushing and testing and trying Jesus, saying, come on, what do you say about this? And then Jesus stood up and he said, you who are without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says they all walked away from the oldest to the youngest. And then Jesus looked at the woman and he said, where are those accusers of yours? And she said, there's no one here, Lord. And Jesus says something remarkable. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. If there was anybody who could condemn her, it was Jesus because he was sinless. Yet he said, neither do I condemn you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In John 3, 17, it says that the son came and he was given not to condemn you, but that you through him might be saved. See, and that's the message. That's the Jesus I know. That's the one that I'm in an intimate relationship with. A Jesus who is non-condemning, who is merciful and kind and gracious and who loves me with an unconditional love. You know, Jesus spoke so often in Luke chapter 15. The Bible says here that the Pharisees, again, the religious people, they were mad at Jesus because he was hanging out with the riffraff. He was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and it made the religious people mad. And Jesus told three stories. He told the story of a lost son, a lost sheep, and a lost coin. Not in that order, but, but in all three of those stories, he said that when the lost coin was found, when the lost sheep was found, when the lost son was found, all of heaven rejoiced. See, and the religious people get mad. They're like, why are we rejoicing? Don't you know that this oak is a sinner? And Jesus is like, yes, let's rejoice that they've come home. They've come home to the Father's love. They've come home to a place of acceptance. They've come home to a a place of mercy where they can receive from God, be reconciled again, knowing, man, I'm not perfect. You know, God is not looking for perfect people. God's looking for people who would go on a journey in discovering how much he loves them. In Genesis 3, When Adam and Eve decided to walk away from God, God is the the one who still came down saying, Adam, where are you? Why are you choosing to go your own way? Don't you know how good I am? In Jeremiah 31.3 in the Amplified Bible, it says, the Lord appeared from of, of old to Israel saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. You know, this is what I love about God. He is faithful to you even when you are faithless. He will continue to draw you with his loving kindness even if you don't know it. In his love, he has paid every debt. He has redeemed you from every curse. He has forgiven you of every sin. He has healed you of every disease. He has removed every obstacle that needed to be removed so that you could have an intimate relationship with God as your father. See, many people think, oh, there's many ways to the father. Yet Jesus said this statement, so powerful. He said, there's not many ways. He said, I am the way. 
the truth and the life and that there is no other way to the Father but through me. See, religion wants to tell you, man, if you're good enough, you can get there. You will never be good enough because the standard is perfection from when you are born until you die. Not only perfection in what you are doing, but perfection with the intentions of your heart. It's impossible. And that is why Jesus came, because he was perfect and he fulfilled every law, every, every regulation, every standard of righteousness on behalf of you. And then he went to the cross sinless, but he became your sin and took every mistake, every curse, every failure, every sin upon himself. And the wrath of God was poured out upon him for you. And then he went to the grave with your sin, with every mistake, with every failure. He went to the grave with it. And on the third day, he rose again in newness of life and included you so that if you trust in Him, you trust in that resurrection also with newness of life so that you can live a life with this expectation of new. And that's why the Savior was born. Secondly, not only does God love you, God is with you. Jesus came to earth to remind us that God will always be with you. There is nothing that you can do for God to leave you. You are not alone, E.T. I just, that came to mind, sorry. But in Matthew chapter one, verse 21, it says this, she will bear a son, talking about Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here is a description of his name, what his name represents. Why his name was called Jesus was because he wants to save you from your sins. He wants to save you from the effects of those sins, which is pain and destruction and brokenness. And then he goes on, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Notice here, this is a description of his name, Emmanuel, meaning God with you. God has always wanted to be with man. God doesn't dwell in temples and buildings. God has always wanted to dwell in you. Solomon, he tried to build the most amazing temple and God was like, listen, I don't wanna live there. I wanna live in you. You are now the tabernacle of God if you choose him. In Romans 5, verses six to 10, it says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Isn't that good news? At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's, that's me. How many of you are godly all the time? Anyone? Okay. So then this includes you. How many of you are sometimes ungodly? Okay, I'll put up two hands. Especially, I've seen you in traffic. But it says, Christ died for the ungodly. While you were still helpless, Christ died for you to demonstrate how much he loves you. And he says, verse eight, or verse seven, for one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Listen, I might be willing to give my life for you if you're in danger, maybe. But me give my children for you, never. See, this is what God did. God gave his son for you to demonstrate to you how much he loves you. Now, you might be a good guy. You see, we'll say, yeah, I might give my life or I might never give my, my, my child's life, but if you were like a, a good guy. But how about giving your child for your enemy? And the Bible says that while we were enemies, God gave his son as a sacrifice for you so that you could know it's a demonstration of love for you. See, Jesus came to save us from our sins. We can't save ourselves, it's impossible. God is the one who does the saving and he delights in doing it. He loves to come and redeem those things which seem unredeemable. In Ephesians 2, verse four onwards, it says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, have you noticed how many scriptures talk about how much God loves you? Have you noticed how many scriptures declare how merciful and kind and gracious God is toward us? It says here, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. See, many people are trying their best to get to heaven. Saying, well, I've been a good guy, and I've been kind, and I've been nice. Listen, you might be good and kind and nice, but that is not the entrance to heaven. The only way we get to heaven, the Bible says, is by trusting in Jesus as our Savior. Yeah, but I went to church. Well, well done. I'm glad you went to church. But that is not the way we get to heaven. We get to heaven by receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. He is the only entrance into heaven. He is the only one who paid the price you could never pay. He's the only one who shed his blood for you and given you righteousness as a gift. And it's only when I receive that that I get into heaven. Yet many people are saying there's many ways or there's many things you can do. Listen, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. It's about receiving him and his work. It's about receiving his love for you. It's about putting yourself in this place where you can receive mercy because you need it. Amen? And he delights in doing that. The problem with sin and us trying to be good enough is the wages of sin is death. So you can try your heart out, but it's gonna lead to death. That's why the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Amen? That's why God sent his son. He sent his son to take the wrath of God, to take the punishment, to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, and then give you eternal life and a relationship with God as a gift. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because not only did he take your sin upon himself, the Bible says he gives you righteousness 
right standing with God as a gift to be received. Nothing that we can do to earn it. In Hebrews 13, verses five and six, it says, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and never leave you. God is with you, that is the good news. Now listen, you might be here today, maybe you've been abandoned in life by a spouse, a partner, your parents, your children, other people who you thought would always be there. Everyone has faced pain and some kind of rejection in life. And I'm sorry that you might have done that, but I wanna let you know that God will never abandon you. He has never abandoned you. He never will abandon you. And many people go through trial and tribulation and heartache and then they wanna blame God because of it. Yet Jesus was very clear. He said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Yet there is a thief that is going out stealing, killing, destroying, there's destruction. He points at his work and he says, look what God's doing. And we bought it hook, line and sinker. It's like the story of the taxi driver. He's got a passenger in his car and they drive past an accident. And they see the police and the traffic cops and the ambulance and the firefighters are all there. And the taxi driver says to the passenger, you know, I've been driving on South African roads for 30 years now. I know who's responsible for every accident on South African roads. And the passenger says, wow, well, geez, that's quite a conclusion. He says, well, who's responsible? And the taxi driver points to the ambulance and the traffic cops and the fire department. He says, no, they're responsible. He says, well, why are they responsible? He says, no, every accident I've seen, they're there. (laughs) The fireman is not the fire starter. See, what happens is when we go through trial, or heartache or trouble, God shows up to rescue, to redeem, to help and to comfort and then we blame him. No, he's not the cause. He's the one who wants to help you through it. He's the one who wants to love you and comfort you and be merciful to you. He's the one who wants to redeem that situation for you. Yet we wanna blame him. God has never abandoned you. God has never been the source of your pain in life. He has only been the source of good in your life. And that's how he's described himself. In Matthew 28, 20, he says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. God has betrothed himself to you. The word mercy means attachment, love. God has attached himself to you with his love. He'll never, ever leave you. And thirdly, the good news is God is for you. He's not against you. In Romans 8, 31, it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And then there's a long list of those things that can be against you. Nakedness, peril, sword, hunger, nature, uh, um, hunger and distress, danger. He says, but I am convinced there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. And then he says, it's because of the love of God I'm more than a conqueror in all of those things. Because I know that God is for me and not against me. God is the one who came to show you how for he is with you by becoming a man, by taking on human weakness, by taking on suffering, by taking on a human condition so that he could identify with you, 
so that you could know there is somebody who actually knows and understands me. He knows every emotion, he knows every heartache, he knows everything that I've ever been through and he still loves me and he will love me through it. In Hebrews 4.16, it says, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. That's like me going to Kentucky Fried Chicken and saying to the guy behind the counter, please can I have an exhaust for my VW Combi? Guy's gonna look at me and say, listen, sorry, but you're gonna go down the road, speedies, quick fit, I'm sure they can help you with your exhaust. And I said, no, I've heard from 10 people. I can get my exhaust here at KFC. He's gonna say, look, I don't care if you've heard from 10 people, this is KFC. Go down the road, speedies or quick fit, they can help you. I said, no, many people in Neisner have told me, this is the place for an exhaust. He's like in a 10111, a little van's gonna come with a blue light, they're gonna take me away to celebrate Christmas somewhere else. <laughs> because what do you get at KFC? Chicken, thank you for that, the one person who eats KFC. <laughs> Finger licking good chicken. Streetwise too. <laughs> Colonel Sanders burger. That's what you get at KFC. You can't get an exhaust there. And the Bible says that we need to run boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace and help in a time of need. If you're looking for something else at the throne, go and look somewhere else. You can't find judgment or anger or impatience at the throne room of God. What you are finding is a throne of grace. And it's at the throne of grace where I obtain mercy, God's desire to treat me better than I deserve and help and grace in a time of need. Man, the, my greatest time of need when I, is when I've just sinned. And that's when the Bible says, run boldly to the throne of grace. Run there, get the grace, the mercy, and the help that we need. See, God has always wanted for you to run boldly to him, where he can also come and dwell in you. In Revelations, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. God has always wanted to tabernacle in you, not in some building somewhere. But many people believe that God is some kind of grouch who's frustrating their plans, always looking to criticize and judge them, which is not who God is. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. If there's anybody who knows what is best for you, it's God. If there's anybody who wants to make you truly happy, it is God. Most people don't believe that. But if you look at the life of Jesus, everybody who came to Jesus with a mistake, he didn't rub it in, he rubbed it out. See, and many people believe that if they come to God with their issues, that he's gonna rub it in their face. No, he's the one who erases those things. He's the one who redeems those things. Even in weakness, we don't have to be afraid of God. But as long as you're trying to save yourself, man, you're gonna struggle. 
But the day that you come to the place when you can realize and recognize that there is only one who can save you, only one who can help you, only one who can comfort you, only one who can bless you the way that you know and need to be blessed is God. Because he is good and he is only good. In Isaiah 43, 19, I'm closing with these two scriptures. It says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do, not, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. If you are tired of 2023, if you are wanting something new, if you're wanting a new experience with God and life, his promise to you is that when you trust him, he says, I am doing a new thing. Where things might seem dry, where things feel like, man, I'm in the desert and the wilderness. God's promise to you is he will make rivers flow in the desert. If you will go to him and trust him and run boldly to him and make a decision in your heart to decide and say, I trust you, God, because you are good and that you're gonna be good to me. Man, rivers are gonna spring forth and all things will become new. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus himself says this. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Notice here, he's on the outside knocking. But he's saying that if I will open the door, he will come in. No one benefits from a forced entry. He's not gonna force himself on you. He's not gonna force himself into your life but he stands at the door and he knocks. And he says, will you open the door to me? And if you're willing to open the door to me, his promise is I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna sup with you. I'm gonna have fellowship with you. And you and I are gonna become friends and you're gonna know how good I am. And he says here, not only will I sup with you, you will sup with me. And that is the beginning of an intimate relationship with God by trusting in Jesus, by opening the door of your heart and saying, I choose to believe that God loves me, that God is with me, that God is for me. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm opening my heart to you and I'm allowing you to lead and guide me because your plans for me are good, not for calamity, to give me a future and a hope. Won't you stand to your feet? Maybe you're standing here this morning, man, and you've tried. I wanna let you know this morning, stop trying, start trusting. Won't you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? The message of Christmas is that God loves you, that God is with you, that God is for you. And he has demonstrated it so clearly in the gift of his son, Jesus. And I believe this morning, if you've never opened the door of your heart to Jesus, that he loves you so much that he brought you here today. He brought you here to remind you, to tell you that he loves you that you are the apple of his eye, that he formed you while you were still in your mother's womb and he took great delight in doing that. 
that you right now, this morning, you are the focus of his love, like a spotlight on a star. His love is on you this morning. And so maybe you're standing here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus. He's standing at the door of your heart this morning, knocking, saying, open up, let me come in. So if that's you this morning, with no one looking around, with every eye closed, if you're standing here and you say, yes, I'm gonna open the door of my heart to Jesus this morning. I wanna receive him. I wanna receive eternal life. This is an eternal decision. And you're saying, yes, Steve, please pray for me. I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you to the front, but I would love to lead you in a prayer. So if that's you this morning, and you say, yes, Steve, please pray for me this morning. I'm gonna receive Jesus. I'm gonna receive the gift of eternal life. And you want me to pray for you. But no one looking around. Why don't you just slip up your hand so I can see you. Just slip it up quickly. Thank you. 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 There are many hands going up this morning. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. God is the one who sees your heart this morning in this decision. I'm just going to wait. Sometimes there's a battle that goes on between your head and your heart. Listen to your heart. That's where God speaks this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so kind. You're so good. Father, thank you for your love this morning. So for those of you who lifted your hands, those of you who wanted to lift your hands, I'm gonna ask you, and those of you who would like to, won't you just pray after me? Because God's the one who sees your heart in this decision this morning. So let's just pray together. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of your Son. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you are Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that you adopt me as your child. Thank you that you live in me, that I'm forgiven and all things are made new. I open the door of my heart and invite you in. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your love, Lord. Thank you for giving us Jesus, that we can celebrate you today. Celebrate your birth and your life. Celebrate the cross. Father, thank you that you are making all things new in, e in each one of us. And thank you, Lord, that you remain faithful and kind and merciful. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can I ask the worship team to come up this morning? For those of you who responded, if you put up your hand or...
prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, as you exit the church, you'll see as you exit on the right-hand side, there's a green sign that says, what now? There is a book we'd love to give you. Go and take one of those books, it's for free. We wanna just put it in your hands, it'll help you in your walk with God. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yes. Amen. Now Christmas is about giving, isn't it? The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so as a church, we wanna bless you this morning. So all of you came to church this morning, when you exit the church, we're gonna give you a Cadbury's slab of chocolate. Merry Christmas from us to you. Hey, what church do you go to where you get blessed? Hey, this one, Nysna Vineyard. And so we have a tradition here at Nysna Vineyard. When we end our services, we sing Feliz Navidad. So as you exit, please be patient. There's a lot of people here this morning. You promise you, you will get your chocolate. We've got enough for, for you all. And Merry, Merry Christmas. And for those of you who received Christ this morning, it is the greatest gift you will ever receive because it's eternal. Amen. Amen. So God bless you. Merry Christmas and Feliz Navidad. Always remember, you are highly favored and deeply loved of God. God bless you.